we're going back to the idea of this complex relationship that we have to our internal world and our external world, our environment and ourselves, exploring it through different lenses, one being that of vulnerability, where the overriding direction is to expose, open up, reveal the inner workings of where I'm at. And the other is a direction of dignity, responsibility, leadership, where the goal is to cover over my frailties and fallibilities in order to create a presence of strength and power and being. And straddling the balance between these two disparate elements becomes a real art and an exciting, subtle movement from one to the other. Because vulnerability, when used excessively, can perhaps breach the boundaries of a trait known as tzniut. Tzniut is a Hebrew word which generally denotes something which is hidden. And the notion of wisdom in itself correlates to the idea of a hiddenness. In other words, the presentation of the world in its material form never displays openly the underlying wisdom which creates the operating mechanism of the physical manifestation. When I see a leaf, I don't automatically... It's not visible. It's not, it's not, it's not obvious, the engineering that's required to sustain it through some kind of complex relationship between nutrients, photosynthesis, and the relationship between the molecules in the um, environment without and the internal engineering within. When I see a leaf, I see a green piece of vegetation. I don't see the chokhmah. I may see the aesthetics. I may see that if I delve into it, I will discover the chokhmah, the wisdom, the, the insight. But wisdom is fundamentally buried underneath the surface. In other words, wisdom is the underlying part of the external manifestation of things in general. Do you get that? Meaning there's layers and the external layer is never explicitly, doesn't explicitly display the incredible engineering behind. When I drive a car, I have to, I can know, you know what, I drive a car, I drive a car, I drive a car. What is my knowledge of uh, car mechanics like? Not as good as Riga's, but that's, I mean, that would be, that would be an, that would be an extreme extremely powerful knowledge of how cars work. It's not as good as Ari's. What's your take on cars, Ari? Like, any, not so much. My knowledge of the way cars work is not even as good as Lewison. Now, Lewison struggles to open up his, his car, his car hood, his bonnet. Like, he can't figure out which lever does it. And mine is not quite there yet. 
No, true. God. Literally true. <laughs> but nevertheless, nevertheless, I get into the car and I drive it. I, I don't know how it works. It doesn't matter. Even without the Chochmah, I can interact with the thing. The truth is, I don't know how my digestive system works. But in order for it to work, I don't have to understand it. In other words, we can function in a world where the Chochmah is hidden from us. The wisdom is not part and parcel of the interaction. And as a result, we can skirt the surface, gently ice skating along the periphery of reality, and never actually touch it on the Chochmah because the Chochmah is underneath the surface. Um, in the examples you gave, don't you have to have some knowledge about the things? So, for example, the car, you have no knowledge, and now you have a check engine light, you need to change your oil or service it. And you have to have some knowledge. Oh, the oil is about to change. Or you're eating, you have digestive problems. Oh, I need to change my diet. Absolutely. In other words, you, have you, can have, you, have, you have to understand functionality and operations. But you don't understand how it works in any way whatsoever. I know if you replace oil. The role that the oil plays in the in the, the way the engine works, no idea. I know when this light indicates I put in this 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 liquid. So, and that does the job. I know when my tummy aches, I should stop eating copious amounts of falafel with kharif. But I don't know what kharif does to my stomach. I haven't figured out the the biological um chemical reactions that occur when when hot chili pepper meets seagull tummy. I have no idea. I just know that when it happens, better be close to a facility. Sorry? We are here on this planet to discover truth. Accurate statement. The point I'm trying to make is that that is not a self-evident experience of reality. On the contrary, the experience of reality doesn't display the truth. It displays the external surface, the covering and the coating of what lies in beneath, underneath the surface if we understand truth to be the origin of how things are operating. Okay? So that is... That is um, the idea of Chochmah. Now, listen to this. So the verse describes it. It says, Uletznuim Chochmah. And to the Tsanuim, the Hebrew word for hidden, for the hidden ones, there's wisdom. And this is because there is a rhythmic connection between the idea of what one is trying to integrate and the manner in which it's integrated. And this is a little bit of a perhaps difficult point to grasp. But there has to be a level of consistency, which means as follows. If I want Chochmah, I have to embody, I have to represent, I have to dance the dance of Chochmah. Chochmah meaning this deep underlying wisdom. Which means, if in my relationship to you, everything that I have inside is pushed outwards, I'm in the dance I'm dancing, I'm dancing the opposite dance to Chochmah. Chochmah is there's an external and there's an internal. And the internal is the underlying engineering of the external. And that's the way it's built. And that's the way the world works. The world is, works in such a way that the wisdom is always hidden. If I want to be wise, I have to mirror that in my behavioral patterns and make sure that the wisdom within me is hidden and not evident. Otherwise, my being is an aberration to the aspiration that I like to achieve. I would like to achieve. Meaning, if I would like to be a chacham, a 
person carries wisdom, my being, my behavior, my interaction, my words have to then reflect the underlying notion of what Chochmah is. Chochmah means there's an external outside and there's an inside. There's what's called in Hebrew a chitzoin and a pnim. And the pnim, the inside has to be inside and the outside has to be outside. And if I switch that and I take the inside and I make it outside, so then I've broken the rules of Chochmah. Is everyone grasping that basic, the correlation and the need for, in my behavior, to be consistent with the, the idea that I'm trying to embody? Are you with me, Asher? Is this? I, I didn't understand the aberration, the aspiration. I mean, first of all, I thought those were two words which, which sounded so great together in a sentence. So I couldn't resist that. But actually, I think in my mind it also made sense, which was a bonus. <laughs> um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try this. You know, there's there's certain things like uh, when you're creating. Let's say I, I, want, I want to design a room, or I want to design a restaurant. So I choose a theme for the restaurant. So if it's like, if I want to design like a Western restaurant, I'm going to have, I don't know, guns on the walls and, and cowboy boots hanging from somewhere and cowboy hats somewhere and there'll be like, like a miniature stable, probably put like a horse uh, that may be complicated. But I'm going, to, I'm going to do a theme. Now imagine like in the middle of that theme, I put this like really modern, slick, uh, minimalistic, um, metal table. You think, one second, there's something in Congress over here. There should be like a nice, rough, woody table that will fit into this. So things have to fit. They have to be consistent. They have to be co- coordinated. Good? You get that? When we're talking about our relationship and how we embody thematic aspirations, things that we'd like to achieve in our life, there also has to be a coordination and a consistency by the thing that I'm aspiring towards and the thing that I am, in order that those two things should sync together. So now, let's say I'm aspiring to be a chocham. I want to gain wisdom. The way that I behave in relation to that wisdom has to mirror the theme of what wisdom is all about. So what is the thematic notion of what wisdom represents? It represents the underlying, the hidden part of the visible reality. In order for me to be consistent and coherent with that, in my behavioral patterns, the things I say and do, there has to be an equivalent of the way that Chochmah works, which means as follows. If... I meet you, and uh, you say to you say hello. And I say hi. I just want to tell you something about myself. And you say, uh, okay, it's a bit forward. Um, you know, I just let me tell you everything I know, and I start to spill my guts about. Well, when I was three years old, I had this major issue because someone stole my tricycle, and ever since then, I've walked with a limp. And not only that, but in terms of what I've learned, and just boom, like no boundaries. So what's happened in that conversation is there's been a, um, a dissolving of a, a pneum and a chitzoin. There's no in and outer. Whatever's inside there just gets spilled out. And that breaks the rules of what chokhmah should be. You with me? So in order for me to become a chokhmah, it means that the external sense of my being has to be like the external nature of the world, just like the plants don't 
they don't they don't announce photosynthesis, but once you go deep into it and you figure out like what is the green color? It's chlorophyll. Mm, that's interesting. How do they produce growth? How do they sustain themselves? Where do plants die? And you delve and you delve and you delve, and that process suddenly unveils a different level, which goes, "Whoa, that's awesome." Therefore, in my relationship with you, our connection has to be an equivalent of that. And that when I speak to you, it can't just be that all of a sudden, in that first five minutes of conversation, everything that's inside has just now been spilled out. It, it means that, no, I have to have this hidden part of me. And slowly but surely, through an intimate connection, through a delving together, through a striving, there'll be sparks of revelation whereby the inner world slowly but surely can be perceived by particular individuals through a particular nature of relationships, and then it just peaks out. Did you get that? Now, with that introduction, it seems that Chochmah, therefore, is a glaring contradiction to what we've been discussing until now, which is vulnerability. Because vulnerability seems to break down the boundary between within and without and create the opportunity for the internal person to spill out unrestricted and unrestrained. And therefore, in my ongoing process of trying to grapple with this topic, this is the new opening trailhead in, 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 the, in the exploration. Do you get that? It's almost like the opposite direction to the one that we'd be going across. Is anyone, judging by your faces, which are hiding enormous amounts of chokhmah, but also enormous amounts of exhaustion, I would... Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, is, like, is, like, is this? Am I conveying myself clearly to the point that you think, oh, I get it, or you're thinking, that's a big word, aberration, aspiration, but I'm like, ah, what are you talking about? I literally don't know what you're talking about. So, what, maybe you'd like to say something. I, I mean, I just, I just put together the what you just said about how like relationships can't just be everything spilled out. You have to kind of maintain this hiddenness and sparks of validation can come through. Right. And like, is that, is that not the same thing as Hashem and Torah? It's like he's hidden until we learn more and then sparks of elevation right. come through. Absolutely. In other words, just like in the natural universe, so too in the study of Torah and wisdom. That the way that the Torah presents itself, if you look at the written Torah and then there's underneath it the surface of the oral Torah. So when you look at the written Torah, there's this thing that you don't see the Chochmah. In fact, probably one of the best ways to become an atheist, read the Bible. Just read it. Because when you read the Bible, it's not impressive. It's actually not impressive. So it can be quite a big turnoff. But when you actually delve into it and you peel off layer by layer by layer by layer, so then you go, whoa, that was actually just the coating. Right. Underneath it there lies this deep, powerful wisdom. And actually that's the kind of studying that we're doing is we pick from one word, like say, for example, in the Be'iroi, which means a behemoth, which means a domesticated animal. But when we go deeper, we feel, no, that's, that's, not, that's not really limited to that category. There's wild animals there as well. Shane Dechaya. How did that happen? So we peel off a different layer, 100%. In other words, yes. Physical world, surface, underneath surface. Torah, surface, underneath surface. Me, surface, underneath surface. And vulnerability seems to break that rule. Do you understand? Do you understand how this notion runs in contrast to everything we've done until now? That's all I'm saying. That's my point. I hope you are as bewildered by this new, seemingly 
spanner-like thing in the works. Tuvia. Tuvia. Like would be saying the way to the Kahneman, at least like within the interaction of the people is to hold back, uh, you know, yourself. Hold back. Hold you back. should hold back. But we're saying the only reason to hold back is... So you can explore and discover. No. The only reason to hold back is because that's what it is. But... No. That, but what's the point of holding back? Because that's what it is. Let me ask you, Chris. Let's go over to those leaves over there and just say to them, hi guys. Uh, tell me. Where about places? This is currently... Wait, wait, they're not saying anything. They're still they're not saying anything about places. They're just saying it's shtum. What's up there? That's the way it's built. That's the way it's built. Let me ask you a question. Look at me now. Yeah? How are my internal organs doing? You don't know, because they're hidden. The operating mechanism hidden. And the truth is, within the internal organs, there's a hiddenness because the molecular chemical reactions that are happening oh, on a molecular... Now you go. <laughs> Would you describe me? I don't mess with that. You don't think... You are a person that does up his top butt oh, and you expect me to take you seriously. <laughs> 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 Sorry, keep it. That was a distraction. Oh, no, no, no. no, 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 no that, can you undo it? No, it, it okay. But what you were saying earlier is... To, to gain Chachma. No, I wasn't. But I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was, was fine. I was. I was the point I was making. Not. I wasn't trying to discuss the process of learning wisdom, but more the process of containing wisdom. In order for me to contain wisdom, I have to replicate how wisdom is contained in the world and in the Torah. And the way it's contained is there's a shell, which contains the thing underneath. But the container is very differentiated from the wisdom. That's all. So therefore, the wisdom is fundamentally hidden. Therefore, taking it down to its practical application, the way that works is if I tell you now everything I know, then the wisdom is not hidden. It's open. And I've broken down that barrier, and there's no distinction between the container and what it contains. But if I keep it hidden, and I don't tell it to you, then it's a good measure. So not only in terms of the wisdom, in other words, the wisdom, the nature of the wisdom, it's also the personal inner workings of my deeper being may also need to be kept under wraps. Or maybe not, or maybe the differentiation, and maybe revealing my deep thoughts and insights is different from revealing my frailties and weaknesses. And maybe over there, it's not, I don't know. But you understand that I see in our precedent, which seems to go in the opposite direction to the one we've been going along. The direction we've been going along is that creating an external barrier around myself creates fractioned, fractured relationships because there's no one there to relate to but an outer um, image. So my image relates to your image and never the twain shall meet. This new model seems to be on the contrary. On the contrary. It needs to be that there's an image, a barrier, a break, something between you and I. And that the inner world can't just be on the outside and therefore I'm puzzled, bewildered and excited about the next step in this journey of the soul. And before I go to the next step, I'm just going to fetch a question from Ralph. Ralph. So the fact that from the first year after we saw the words of the Rambam who told us, like, in order to finish your Chuba process, you have to go out into this town square and tell everyone what you did. Yes. Um, 
nobody actually did that, so we didn't buy in immediately, which was probably a good idea, but intuitively we all knew that they were like, it doesn't work that way, there has to be this level of concealment. We didn't know so, so, so this Ralph, idea you're talking about, Okay. intuitively this was, this is like, this is a process that we all go through constantly. So the only thing you can ever say, the only thing you can ever say is a process that you go through. You have no idea what kind of process Jared is going through. No idea. No idea. Or Ash. Or Jakey. Well, they didn't immediately scream out all their problems. Because, because you, according to that vision, first of all, the Rambam is halacha, meaning the Rambam stands. That means if you did that, that's what you should do. Now you're saying, we didn't do that. That's a great thing. The Ram says, what will stop you from doing that is this thing called gaiva, which we call self-esteem. So the reason is because we're so trapped in self-esteem. That's why we didn't do it. Not because of what I'm saying now. We didn't do this because we're just gutless individuals. We're cold-footed. We don't care about the inner workings of ourselves, and we're too scared to admit ourselves to the public eye. It's got nothing to do with some kind of elevated, deep idea of understanding how wisdom works. So, to understand, so I'm, I'm just I'm pointing out that there seems to be divergent pulls. And the Rambam is right. It's halacha psukha. It's the way you should do it. And this is right. And they seem to contradict. And therefore, we're delving into the sugya with more and more depth as we go further and further. One more question from Yaakov Riga before we go on. So, are you basically suggesting that in the ideal world, we should not have this misterness or, or sneers to our Akma and that it should be shared in a more public way, but the problem is that we're getting past our own that's a great question. In the ideal world, meaning when you say the ideal world, were we to reach utopia, or in the Jewish terminology Mashiach or Oyelam Haba, whatever you'd like to call it, is that gonna change? Meaning will the shift from this world to utopia be that shift precisely that until now the world the deeper workings are always hidden and the shift will be that the deeper the deeper workings the chokhmah will overflow and become self-evident to all so the truth is there is a verse that describes that state and it says that the wisdom will cover the world like the sea which does imply that that may be one of the shifts what is the purpose temporarily Yes, why should it be hidden? What is the purpose of this world? Well, that's a very fundamental question. The purpose of the world, as we know it, is that there's a restriction of light in order that we can come to the party and do something with our lives. Because were we be blinded by spiritual clarity, we would become angelic by nature, and there would be no process of choice, and we would be instinctive robotic people that would not have any choice but to be pure and good and holy. The fact that we are in the world of struggle and striving allows us the potential to own the good that we strive to overcome when we fight against the resistance. Okay, good. Anything else? We go on. Yes, one more question from Bradley. Thank you said earlier this week. Uh, that if you have committed the barriers or you have some something you need to get off your chest, you're meant to disclose it to a lot of people. Right, right. That, right, that's what Ralph is raising. people my darkest. You want you, that, that's that's yeah. So what you point in are you reiterating the issue? That's exactly what we've been saying. Ha! Can we say on the one hand that the correct and proper mode of um, conduct is absolute disclosure of all the gunky stuff and stuff that's going inside myself, breaking down all barriers between us, and on the other hand, a necessary prerequisite 
for living life with wisdom is creating a barrier between me and external and internal. And let's go a little bit further with this. Because as we externalize ourselves, it's not only that we're not a um, coherent manifestation of Chochmah in our being, but we actually, when we reveal our inner world, we lose it. And this is something which is a very pertinent topic in a world which is inundated with mechanisms of externalizing experiences. So back in the day, you lived in uh, 1900 and you decided to go for a hike in the wilderness by yourself. And as you're walking along this deserted path on your left-hand side, you saw a mountain range disappearing into the distance and your right-hand side, you had this magnificent panoramic view of a, a lake surrounded by trees and you're sitting there and you're grasping the beauty of the scenery and internalizing that moment. What would you do next? Well, what do you mean what would you do next? You just do it. You just inculcate within that experience. And that experience would be a moment for you that contributed to the construction of an inner world, maybe a world of appreciation, maybe a world of awe, maybe a world of grandeur. And then what would you do with that? Well, you just keep it inside. And then what would keeping inside do for you or to make it real? Or make it real because it wouldn't be hinged on some kind of affirmation that the experience you just had is actually okay. Now, as, the, as we turn the clock forward, so that a power to have an experience becomes reduced, because people invented cameras back in the day. And a camera was an externalization of that experience. So there you were with this panora panora panoramic view, and you thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a photo of this. And as you took that photo, and you clicked on your camera, which had a spool inside, a piece of cellulite film and you didn't know how the picture came out because there was no screen to check it you unfortunately sacrificed the internal experience and you gave it over to your photo lab they developed it into a photograph and then you showed everyone and then everyone looked at them and said oh wow that's a beautiful view and then the view no longer rested within you and now it became accessible to all then you turn the clock a little bit forward and digital cameras are invented. So then you take 16 photographs because you now have, no longer have to worry about a single photograph because there's an unlimited amount of photographs you can take, well, relatively unlimited depending on the size of your memory card. And then you kind of, you've got like a panoramic view and every side and every nuance. And then your experience is now completely lost to your externalization. And then you turn the clock forward, and now your phone's got three cameras on it, and it's hinged into and connected to 15 different social media platforms, so that before you've even taken a deep breath to experience what you experienced, you've already got 75 different likes from a whole range of different people who couldn't care less about you and don't care about your life. But they feel if they don't like you, you won't like them, and there's a 
So, so then the experience is now, not only is it externalized, it's pretty much completely, completely destroyed. Completely destroyed. You don't even have that experience anymore. It, it became so quickly sold to the marketplace that the inner world remains bereft and has nothing to take back with it. And the entire experience now belongs somewhere else, on a different platform, but not within the self. So the slow, slowly but surely that inner world becomes so impoverished that a person could theoretically lose the ability to sit alone and be. Because he'd have to constantly think about, well, being is meaningless because there's nothing there for me to be with because my inner world is empty and I'm trying to create um, an externalization of everything. And when I can't externalize, and what would happen? What would happen if I was in that scene without my phone I think, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. I, I wish I had a camera so I could capture this. Because that would make it real when a whole lot of anonymous people tell me, you're okay. Come on. Oh yes, that's what makes it real. That's what makes it real. Whoa, how far have we come? So we live in a world where Chochmah is being diluted with the externalization of the internal experience to such an extreme degree that our inner worlds are places which are desolate and uninhabited. And as a result, we cannot sit still for longer than two seconds because there's no one there that has any richness to be able to accompany me in that moment of silence. And therefore, in this new avenue of self-exploration which seems to be going in the opposite direction to the one we were previously exploring Exploring, we have now discovered perhaps a need to create a world which is absolutely private and totally unutterable to those around us and the only person that is privy to the inner workings of that sacred space is myself and any description or sharing will be a desecration of the intimacy between me and my own world. And that notion is so foreign to us that it sounds ludicrous. But as we try to develop and advance internally and spiritually, this must be something we have to consider. Because arguably the most fundamental component of who we are is precisely that world that lies beneath the surface. And the externalization of ourself, the measurable, quantifiable manifestation is not the me who is, but the me that produces and then leaves the behind those footsteps creating a trail but no deep inner life something to ponder as we go ever forward in our journey contrasting vulnerability and privacy and everything in between thank you for your attention And you can all go now.